Swapner Haddo is the prize-winning author of the Dave Pigeon series, illustrated by Sheena Dempsey. And writing as Swapner Ready, the Ballet Bunnies, illustrated stories for fledgling readers. Dapo Adiola is an award-winning illustrator with a background in character development. His debut picture book with Nathan Bryan bought us the much-loved space-loving little girl Rocket, whose second adventure, Clean Up, was published in 2019. Swapner and Dapo have collaborated on a new project, My Dad is a Grizzly Bear, and I began by asking Swapner whether there was a particular thought that lay behind this story about a dad. I have to admit, I don't go that far for inspiration. It's either pigeons out of the window or it's the person in the next room. And the person in the next room happened to be my husband. And when my son was younger, we used to read so many books, but actually I hadn't realised how many animal books we'd read. So he, for a while, thought his dad was genuinely a bear. So he basically saw that my my husband really loved honey and that he's kind of had like a bit of a hairy beard and, you know, he was ginormous compared to Phoenix back then. So um, I just sort of thought, let's take it another level and let's see what other things would make you convinced that you lived with a bear. Um, and that's kind of where the story came from. But actually, that wasn't the first story I wrote in this sort of series. I actually wrote a story about a piranha and the little sister was a piranha. And my little sister when she was younger was a bit of a biter (laughs) so she's not anymore so yeah I think when I wrote that story this whole family sort of came around this this little girl I wonder Dapo at what point you got involved in this project I was in a position where I had just signed up for lookup and I had a whole bunch of texts in front of me and three texts jumped out to me. Um Swapness to my dad is a grizzly bear and my sister's piranha. They jumped out to me and so did my hair by um Hannah Lee. But then the thing was Hannah's was about um hair and I was so determined at that stage because of all the black books that were out about hair, I was determined not no matter how good it was. I was really determined not to go down that route of pigeonholing myself. And also I got to draw bears and piranhas for this. So, you know, I just remembered that um, my, my sister is a piranha was so funny. And I, I said, yes, based off of the strength of those two texts. And then the Macmillan team, they had this idea in their head about a book focusing on the parents initially. So then it went from the sister is a piranha, dad's grizzly bear to dad's grizzly bear being the first book that we come out with. And, um, I think, well, I think I can say we're, we're building the world. It's exciting. But we've, we've got to get excited about this first book to begin with. Yeah. So I felt you could have been writing about my own dad, who had several annoying habits. I loved him very much. He did actually like eating honey too. And I just wondered whether any of the dads in your lives, whether they were your own dads or dads that you know, what annoying habits do they have? <laughs> <laughs> Well, my dad is super grumpy. He's so grumpy with everyone else, but I'm his favourite, so it's fine. Um, So there's definitely the grumpiness. I would say probably the most annoying habit is just not asking for directions. It's so irritating. (laughs) Like Whenever I'm driving with him or even with my husband, they just don't ask for any directions. We'll be going around for miles and miles. I wasn't raised by my parents, so I don't really have any experiences of my dad, but my brother became a father um, around the time I was illustrating this book. Um, The book is actually dedicated to him, and it was his first time as a father. My brother is the most uncool, cool person that I know. 
he's funny, but it's like real terrible jokes. <laughs> like the humor's like just you just laugh because it's just like who says that? Do you know what I mean? And um, he's just very extroverted. Like we are opposites of the same coin. And yeah, he's a wonderful father as well. So yeah, that was what who I was thinking about when I was trying to tap into the character. Lovely. I did see that dedication and it was very touching at, at the beginning uh, of the book. So, now one of the things that um, struck me about uh, the story was what a great read aloud quality it was. You know, if I was reading this in a class or with a, a group of preschool children, I'd be stomping around and really making everything of all of those verbs in the text because it's just so good. Um, were you thinking about that when you were writing and did you read it aloud to your own family to see if it worked? Yeah, I think when you're writing picture books, you need to read them out loud. They need to have a good rhythm. I think the other thing with picture books is that they're short, but they get read thousands of times. So they have to still be engaging on that thousandth read as they were on the first read so you know having repeating words in there and having bits that kids can join in is so important and picture books have been so instrumental in building my bond with my child so I really wanted that as well with this book Um, but my dog is always the first member of the family to hear the story if I get four paws up it goes to my husband and my son and it gets read out loud to them. And if then they give me the thumbs up, then I will send it to my editor because I'm actually quite afraid of people reading my work. <laughs> I need to get lots of approval before I feel brave enough to put it out there. Dapo, are you happy to share your work before it goes to the publisher? It's an ongoing process for me. I am absolutely terrified of sharing something that I'm not 100% confident in. And I'm still new. I'm still learning a lot about illustration. I come from a character design background. So these last couple of years is the first time I've ever had to draw environments, draw multiple um, crowd scenes and all these kind of things that I'm just not confident. So what tends to happen on the book is I will uh, focus on my strengths first. <laughs> and then the bits that I'm not so confident about, I'll spend ages having an anxiety attack about how to do them. And then I'll put down the first little bits and then I'll panic about sending it. And what I've learned to do since is to just send it because the whole purpose of having a team is to have a set of eyes that can give you something that you don't know. And it's taken me a while, especially coming from working on my own on everything to learn how to work with a team and use their strengths. So, um, yeah, it's the same problem, but I'm, I'm getting used to it. While we're talking about the things that you say you've you felt less confident about, I did love your crowd scene at the cinema. I felt that every single one of the people in that audience was a genuine person and they felt real rather than bland representations that you can get if some, you know, people draw a crowd scene. I wondered whether you were consciously trying to, you know, create believable characters, even though we don't see them in the rest of the story. hundred percent. It was intentional, you know, character design again is something I love doing. So I think even your back characters, your background characters, they should be able to have a story and they should feel like real world people. And also because Swapner and I are building a world, it pays to put characters in the book that I can put in the future books as well. You know, little Easter eggs for people who are that keen, because it's a picture book after all, you know, little Easter eggs for people who are that keen on the visuals that they can spot characters reoccurring. 
there's a particular guy who's walking a dog in the first book who I've put in the book that I'm currently working on. So again, you know, just little things for people to spot and it's things that help me build a sense of a world as well. Um, that particular spread is the spread I'm the most proud of in the whole book because of how much anxiety it gave me when I saw it in the text. I was like, bloody hell, how am I going to do this? And then I just, you know, just got stuck in and it came out much better than I had anticipated. And it communicates what's happening so well, using the, the composition to put dad in this space so that we've got him. And then you've got all the people around him reacting to him. I was quite proud of that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You know, there's some characters in the top left. There's an older lady and an old man, and they seem just as engrossed in the film as the children watching it. And I'm thinking, what film are they all enjoying so much? I mean, Swapna, when you saw that spread, were there any characters that you were drawn to in particular? I'm always distracted by the bear. I just love the bear so much. And I, oh God, the little boy, his expressions are just brilliant. That lovely vignette at the beginning of the book where yes. he's lying on his dad's stomach in the, in the pool. I just, it's just, it's adorable. But I want to talk about something serious uh, for a minute because it's a celebration of family. And it's a mixed race family who enjoy the countryside. They go for weekend walks in the woods and they have this wonderful camping trip together. And it put me in mind of this report uh, that's over 20 years old now, but talked about the countryside being popularly perceived as a white landscape, uh, predominantly inhabited by white people hiding both the growing living presence and the increasing recreational participation of people of colour. I wondered whether you felt, both of you, um, whether this perception has changed in the 20 years since that book was written, or do you still think there's much work to be done here? I have a mixed-race family, so my son's a mix of Indian heritage. He's also half Chinese, white as well. And my niece, she's half Indian, half black. So we've had, we have quite a mixed race family. I'll be honest, as a child, I didn't do things like go on walks in the woods. And I didn't sort of do a lot of the things that you see the children do in this book. And I think it was only since we started merging families that we started doing more of these things like going on walks and stuff like that. Um, And there there is often a feeling when we're on a walk that we are the only brown people for miles. But it doesn't put me off going for a walk. It doesn't put me off wanting to do those things. Um, and I, I don't think it's purely just a colorism issue. I think even, you know, from a socioeconomic point of view, I'm not sure who goes on walks and things like that. So I would I would honestly say that the, the point is that nature, countryside, everything is it's it's for all of us. And it shouldn't feel like um it's for only one group of people to enjoy. I definitely think there's so much more work to be done. I think that we do get um an increased presence of people of colour um out in the countryside, but they still, to my knowledge, they still face the same sort of prejudice. You know, many people who are born and bred in, in certain areas of the countryside haven't even encountered a person of colour, you know. So it's still like, oh, this is a novelty. It's, it's just a weird vibe that I hear of. I didn't experience that when I was growing up. I didn't have it, all these camping adventures. My escape, my way of experiencing those things was secondhand through reading about them. As um, an adult now working as an illustrator, 
one of the joys for me is getting to draw scenes that I wish that I had experienced as a child, which I will hopefully experience as an adult. Yeah, you know, I might glamp. I don't know about camping. I might glamp. <laughs> but um, that's how, unfortunately, that's how it's had to be for myself and a large number of people of colour. We've only had secondhand experiences of these things because they are set up in communities that we don't often feel welcome in. It's interesting because a few months ago I interviewed Benjamin Zephaniah and he's got a new book coming out. It's about poetry in the natural world. And the interesting thing that he was saying is that people perceive black people as belonging to an urban environment. And actually, he said, talk about his own background. We come from the Caribbean. What do they think? It's countryside. It's not. It's literally rural areas. You know, one one or two cities here and there, but even Africa, it's like there's lots of rural areas in Africa. We have our own versions of the country. Mm. Mm. We've got very serious, but I do think it's a, it's an important thing for us to think about. And it's great that your family in your story are experiencing the delights of the countryside. I want to ask you a few questions about illustrating the, the story, Dapo, some some detailed ones if you like so there are a couple of things that I I noticed um there are two pictures in this story where we see dad's reflection in the mirror but there's a sort of reversal of who's in the mirror and who's actually standing at the basin cleaning their teeth was that an Mm -hmm. idea that came to you instantly to kind of switch them or is it something that came during the process of illustrating instantly I'll be honest, absolutely instantly, because that was one of the first things I drew. And I thought to myself, how can I convey that this is, it's it's, it's a far out thing that we're, we're exploring here. This is a kid's massive imagination. He's seeing his parents as animals. And one of the things for me was I wanted to put something in there that you might not, you could miss that. You could blink and miss that. Like if you were just reading through it, you could blink and miss that. And you could, and, and I wanted to sort of figure out how I was going to tie the end and the beginning in a nice little bowl. And that was a great way of doing it. Like it's, you know, he's looking at his reflection and if there's a little fog on the, on, the, on the glass. You can't really make it out extremely clearly, but you can see that there's someone else in the mirror. And when you get to the end of the book, it's the same thing. And it's, it's like, you know, where does the bear begin and the man end and blah, blah, blah. And um, because the series, the way the series is panning out, I wanted to see if I could kind of keep those staples where the kid sees the animal because that's his imagination, but there are little things revealing us, you know, in reflections here and there in the book where you get to see that these are actually people. And it's not until he has that moment of crisis, if you will, where we see that this is his parent that he's talking about. So, yeah. Because there are little things like photographs and pictures that are dotted around. Yeah, dotted around. Yeah, there are clues, you know. Yeah. So I was also intrigued by... The pineapple end papers, which of course are on um, on these swimming trunks, aren't they? And you seem to have got a thing for fruit patterns in this book. There's oranges and watermelons too. Any particular reason for that? Okay, I'll be really honest. There are times when I struggle in a book where I'm like, what do I put here to make this page interesting? And the the pineapple shorts was the first thing. And I was like, oh my God, these are amazing. And it, it just worked so well. You know, when we when we were drawing the other scenes, I was like, okay, um, maybe I can stretch this theme a bit. And you know, that's how we got the oranges on the pajamas, and it really worked. I really like those. And then the watermelon shorts as well. And Mum's got cat's pajamas, which was a play on the term cat's pajamas. And 
um yeah it just it just worked and it just gave me a visual tool if you will that I could just use to make the spreads just fun and more interesting you know the pineapple's such a good fruit for this dad because he's prickly on the outside and he's quite soft and juicy and tasty on the <laughs> so he's again an, a, an absolute stroke of coincidence that just works so well <laughs> I love that. um Nikki's looking for these amazing deep meanings and Dapo's like it's just not that deep <laughs> But do you know what's crazy about this? When the book leaves you and it goes out into the world, it becomes everyone else's because they bought it, you know, and they invest in what they buy. So it becomes everyone else's and people tend to pull out things that you never intended. And you just have to go, that's awesome. Because, you know, it just takes on, it takes on a life of its own and another life to what you envisioned, which is, yeah, which is a great thing. I love that. I absolutely love that. And children will do it too. You know, that's the great thing. They definitely do it too. So I wanted to ask you a question about Dapo's illustration, really. There's a bit in the text where it reads, at bedtime, dad went for a wander in the woods. Perhaps he was (laughs) looking for his friends. When you wrote that, what did you have in mind? And was it, um, was he going out to stargaze or to look at the animals? Or was he actually going to do what Dapo's kind of intimated in that picture. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I love that. No, I'm also not that deep. He was just going for a poo. <laughs> it's great because you don't, it's not stated, but of course the humour comes through and seeing him wandering off with his little toilet roll. <laughs> so uh, mum in this story has a wicked sense of humour, I think. You know, she's telling <laughs> a scary story in the woods at night. <laughs> Did you enjoy scary stories when you were younger? I did. Yeah. I also like telling them because my son really gets so involved and deeply (laughs) emotionally attached to things. Um, So I love like seeing that little face get a bit frightened and then like, oh, I I think it's because you get cuddles at the end as well. That's Mm. quite nice. Yeah. Well, You've mentioned the piranha, the sister in the piranha story. I wondered where the mum was going to take a centre stage in a future book. Mum is going to feature in something next year. She's got her own story and I'm super excited about it, especially being a mum. We are working on a book um, with mum at the moment and it's it's very much her time to shine. And what I love in, in answer to the question that you asked about scary stories, um, what I loved to being being able to do in the first book with mum was to give her that wicked sense of humor like I mean Swapna did it in the text but to pull it out I loved doing that like to draw mum in the shadows telling the horror story like really getting into it like um that was great because up until that point in the book she's just sort of mild-mannered and just floating around in the background and that was the moment where we got to really see her just before the book ends which is a great segue into the book that we're working on at the moment fabulous I want to give you both an opportunity to talk about some other projects that I know that you've got coming up this year. So Swapna, I think you've got a book coming out with Scholastic about the partition of India, uh, which looks really interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited because this is my first sort of foray into historical fiction and writing something a bit less funny (laughs) because the partition was definitely not funny. Um, So this was a chance for me to, you know, really understand a crucial part of history that's part of my heritage and really research that and find out more. And it was 
essentially what had happened was the British were leaving and because, you know, there wasn't a sort of agreement on whether they should be Muslim or Hindu leadership, they just said, well, let's just divide up the country and Muslims live on that side and Hindus and Sikhs live on the other side. And it was literally like someone just took a Sharpie to a map and people were uprooted from their homes. And it basically led to what is still the world's largest mass migration of people because everyone was trying to get on the right side of the border. And of course, it was pretty gruesome as well. So it was a huge pressure to write about that part of history, because of course, there are so many versions to tell. But I'm hoping my version not only, you know, educates people about that part of history, but also there is a story there of two boys from different religions trying to understand each other and a friendship building. And so that is also equally important to me because I do feel like in a world where walls and partitions are going up and down and whatever, you know, we need to come together and understand that we've got more in common than we do different. So, um, yeah, it's a very special book. I'm really chuffed that Scholastic asked me to write it. And um, I hope I've done it. I hope I've done that part of history justice. I can't wait to read it. I know Bally Rye did a book, but for much older readers. And I don't think there's, I, I don't know anything else really that's been written for the age group that you're writing this book. So it's very, it's a very important uh, book for us for sure. Can't wait to read it. And Dabo, you've also got an amazing project coming up as well. Hey, you, tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. Hey, you, it's a collaborative project between myself, written by myself and illustrated by myself and 18 other Black illustrators from across the diaspora and the world. It's basically the piece that I wrote about what it is to grow up um, as a young Black person. It was off the back of the events of last year with George Floyd. And I put out an Instagram post about how I felt that, you know, in picture books, we tend to talk and discuss a variety of different subject matter, but we don't really get picture books to talk about race or the Black experience in a way that facilitates conversations that we as Black people have to have with our youth just to make sure that they can go out, navigate the world and come back in one piece. And Joe, who's my amazing editor over at Puffin, he saw the Instagram post and he you know, spoke to his bosses about the possibility of me writing something. I wasn't asking to be given that job at all because I felt like, you know, so I can, I can have the idea or the reaction and someone else can go and do the work. But he was like, why don't you write it? And I was like, uh, I'm not really an intellectual when it comes to race. I know what I know and that's that. And he was like, well, this is a children's book and this is your lane. So he gave me that kind of spark to go off and write something that was approachable for, for children first draft was very much written as what I imagined would be a letter to my offspring in the future about what my life was like and what it is to grow up in black skin. I sent it off to Joe. He then asked me a question, which is when was the first time that I felt empowered in my skin as a black man? And that triggered something completely different to the first draft that we had. I went away and I wrote it as if I was writing to my younger self because the first time I felt empowered was in my mid-20s. And for me, that was too late. I started thinking about what it would have felt like to feel that empowerment at a younger age. So that's where the book then came from. And it just literally poured out of me. Um, with regards to it becoming a bigger project, at the time, I was stupidly busy, as I still am. And this would have taken ages to illustrate. So I thought, OK, well, this could be a great way to get, you know, more 
black talent on the scene. And I put together a list of illustrators. Eventually we nailed down 18 and I was very hands-on with this. I created um, an Instagram group, made sure that everybody knew everybody, spoke to everybody on Zoom, just really kind of stared the thing as best I could to give people the freedom to sort of contribute something that was very personal to themselves, but also stick to the brief and execute what we were trying to execute. And it just came together wonderfully. And when we got the first sort of drafts in, I was blown away. There's so much talent in this one book. And because there are so many different styles being used to tell this one narrative, I was worried that it wasn't going to be as cohesive as possible, but it's it's amazing. Like so, That's yeah. fantastic. And just listening to you there, I think it could be another podcast, Dapper. I don't know if you could bear to come back with some of your, your collaborators. I, I, It'd be good to get some unknown, <laughs> unknown voices. One of the things for me that kind of always strikes a kind of weird chord with me is the hierarchy of author and illustrator. And I wanted to use this as an opportunity to just completely squash that. Everybody's an equal. Even though I wrote the book, everybody's still an equal. One of the biggest challenges we had was getting all 18 names on the front cover of the book. And we managed to do that. And we still had a very beautiful cover. And also throughout the book, all the illustrators are listed. Every single kind of interview that we do for the promo, I'm determined to have at least one person present with me if we can do it. Because it's just about setting an example that this kind of thing can be done and can be done properly. And it's not about that hierarchy. I would like to say one thing, though, as serious as the subject matter that led to Hey You is, the book itself is absolutely delightful. It's heartwarming. It's charming. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I would like to thank both of you for revealing, you know, your multi-tone, multi-mood kind of writing. We've gone very serious at the end of our interview, but let's not forget we started with some great silliness too. Um, and, you know, you've covered so much in terms of tone and uh, interest in this interview this afternoon. So I thank you both very much. It's been an absolute delight for me. Thank Likewise. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.